so now we've got all these people who lived with her and walked this path with her. Mm-hmm. And the scary thing to me is, what next? Mm-hmm. So what for the next generation? How Talk about a huge burden on our shoulders. Welcome to Classical Etc., a show that dives into the philosophy, culture, and heart of classical education. You're in the studio with Shane Saxon. Hey, I'm Shane Saxon, and this is Classical Etc. If you want to show some support for this show, then give us a follow. Today, I got a chance to sit down with Tanya Charlton, the curriculum director at Memorial Press, and we spent time remembering Cheryl Lowe, an amazing woman, the founder of Memorial Press and Highlands Latin School, and we talked about her crystal clear vision that's been articulated through the Memorial Press curriculum for her perseverance in establishing Highlands Latin School, which has grown and is thriving and now extended to campuses all around the country, as well as carrying on her legacy to future generations. I think this conversation will inspire you, whether you're trying to educate here at home, in a school or abroad. Um, let's jump into this conversation. Tanya, have I ever told you you fascinate me? <laughs> Though you haven't. Yeah, you fascinate me. Oh, I think I kind of, I feel like a lot of people feel like that, like they're afraid. For a very it specific me, reason, though. Okay, because it took me years to realize that people found me intimidating. No. And I don't know why, but I recognize this might, it This now. might play into it. Okay, so this is why I'm fascinated with you. Okay. You obviously have a lot in your own right. You're a pastor's wife. You're you know, a, a business leader, a mother, all these things which are very meaningful in their own right and not in relation necessarily to anyone else. And yet, if I was at a dinner party with Bryce or something and Tanya Charlton came up, um, probably someone would mention, A, that you had worked as an editor for one of the most, you know, famous novelists in America for a short time. And then he and he had trust entrusted you with his words on some level. And then B, Someone would probably mention that your basic job and your legacy is to carry on the vision and kind of you've kind of live in some ways you you live as kind of a trust for these people. And I've always found that really interesting that, that that's your life. And so for our conversation today, we've talked about this. I think there are a lot of people who are trying to do classical education right now, 30 years after it's become a thing in the United States. And they're looking for help because in their area, there's no one else doing it. And so they look to Memorial Press and we find that 30 years ago, Mrs. Lowe started all this. That's where she was. And she didn't just, you know, build a two day a week Latin class. She kept pushing, kept pushing. So now there are other people in that situation. So I, I just wanted to pick your brain as kind of the, the legacy carrier of Mrs. Lowe about what you think those people need to know about her that could inspire them to keep going forward. So Tell me a little bit about kind of your experience doing that. And then maybe we can jump back to what you think were the factors that formed who she was to create that vision back when no one else had that vision. Well, first, let me respond by saying that Wendell Berry did not entrust his words to me. (laughs) He hired me to type his manuscript. I made the choice to be a critic of his work. And to say, um, I'm not just going to type for you, but I'm going to tell you what I think about what you've written. And And that's been a long and prosperous relationship between us. He is such a dear friend. Hmm. But um, sometimes he probably wished that I (laughs) had fewer words about his words. And as far as the carrying on the legacy of Cheryl Lowe, 
that is terrifying to mm. me and has been mm. for years now, three years now. We're in, going into the fourth year, I guess. And it is a huge, she was nobody, there is nobody that I know of that that is as brilliant as she was. Mm. Lee and I talk about this a lot, about this burden of carrying on her legacy and making sure that what she wanted continues to happen and what she so thoroughly 100% believed in continues. And it's really amazing to me because I feel like I worked with her for 16 years before she died. And first of all, in the capacity of she was the teacher of my children and then later as a teacher and then finally as a partner here at Memoria Press. But she never she never faltered in yeah. any so, of everything's the same was the same what what do you think in the, those early days she was teaching chemistry right yes. when she first started what, what do you think it was about her that first led her to these ideas but then kind of helped her to create not just kind of i have certain ideas about the great books that i really resonate with which is a lot of people but more so this is an educational program that she kind of started to create in her mind. I well, it started at practically because she had her middle school children in a really expensive school here, and she decided they weren't being educated, mm. which is how she said it. I decided they weren't being educated, <laughs> so I took them out. But she first wanted to figure out if they weren't being educated in this really good private school, what was missing? What is education? And being a researcher, which she was, and a reader, she researched education and finally came to the conclusion that there was only one true education, Mm -hmm. and that was the classical education. And once she came to that conclusion, that was it for her. That was, to me, that was a a pivotal moment in her life. So she started teaching herself Latin, Mm. taught her children Latin, and then decided everybody needs to be classically educated. So then she started fighting education reform here locally. At the same time, she started this little homeschool in her home to teach students Latin. And her goal, she, I think she was shocked at what happened, that her little living room school became what it is. But she also was, her goal was that every student would have a classical education. And until that was done, she wasn't finished. Yeah. So you think that, you know, she was shocked, but at the same time, there was something about her that was drawing those people in. Because I know a lot of people who love the idea of a Latin-based education, but can't sell it to their friends and neighbors. Um, was it like a personal magnetism or was it the conviction with that idea that drew those people initially? I mean, you sat in some of those meetings, right? When oh, she- that was how I found her. Actually, Wendell Berry's wife found her oh. <laughs> and told told their daughter because we were good friends and we were looking for an alternative for our children. Mm-hmm. And she said, you need to go hear this woman speak. And so Mary and I went to this church basement. I don't even remember the church here in Louisville, and we listened to her. And I found the other day in her papers, this little this little thing, yeah. that was her handout, yeah. which it's still in her papers. I've got so much stuff, you know, piled up at my desk that she wrote. But this was her, her 
vision was the difference between a classical education yeah. and a job training. So for our education. listeners, describe describe this piece of paper, kind of how it's laid out. And I think as you describe it, they'll kind of hear Memorial Press's vision. So just describe right. how it's laid out. Okay. So on the left, it says education, broad and general, not useful or practical for anything in particular, but everything in general. <laughs> and then she's got, I don't know what these little houses are she's drawn, but the first one says basic skills, reading, writing, and arithmetic. Plus there's a bigger house, liberal arts education for virtue citizenship. And then under that, she's listed religious studies, Latin grammar, classical literature, mathematics, and general knowledge. This is totally just an articulation of the entire vision of what we do now. It is. But like 30 years ago. I know. Yeah. And, and it's still the same, but she, she just stood there. And if you knew her, she, did, she didn't come across as charismatic. Yeah. She was a, a petite woman. She was quiet. Mm. She wasn't an a charismatic speaker at all, but she was so 100% a believer in what she was saying, mm. the words coming out of her mouth. She spoke with so much authority that you just believed her. Yeah. And I did. I knew nothing about classical education, yeah. but I still remember her standing up there and saying this job training. Yeah. So the other side of the piece the of paper. The other side of the piece of paper, which is narrow and specific, useful and practical but I remember her saying, if you give your students this education on the left, this classical education, then whatever they choose to do in their job training, they will be able to perform with justice, wisdom, courage, and moderation. Because you've trained them basically to be citizens, to be ethical, whole people. And so it doesn't matter then when they what they can then do anything. Yeah. But their person is whole. Yeah. And I just totally then enrolled my oldest child in her little class and drove an hour one way <laughs> to come <laughs> let him sit at her feet. Sure. And it just, it, you know, our relationship went from them. But that was her. It never changed for her. That yeah. vision never changed. It's really remarkable. It is remarkable. The curriculum really didn't change. The curriculum she handed me for the first fifth grade class she ever had, we're still using. Yeah. She was just a brilliant woman and just really knew how to figure things out. It's a word to people out there trying to achieve some kind of form of education that the temptation immediately is, whether it's with your own children or trying to start a school, is to try and find the lowest common denominator and appeal to everyone. And that is, that's not at all what, what she did. No, <laughs> no, she was to be such a soft-spoken person. And so she was very level. Her mm -hmm. personality was very level. Um, but she was adamant about what she believed and that this was the only education yeah. for students. And her goal was that she would provide it. And so with the school, you know, it just kept growing. Yeah. But but then she wanted to give it to everybody else across yeah. the world. Well, that's the other thing I was going to point out. Is that it's kind of remarkable that it, it didn't just end with a two-day Latin class. She, she kept on pushing. Right. So there's two aspects of that. One, as you were just saying, you know, she wanted to give this to everyone. What do you think what caused her to have that drive to, to keep going past her family and not just have a nice retirement um, right. and instead work until the end? She never even drew a salary. <laughs> this was for her all about the vision because yeah. she, she so wanted it for every student. I still, I look when I go down the, 
the hall in the cafeteria yeah. to go to the cafeteria. Yeah. There's that picture of her mm -hmm. sitting at a little student desk. Yeah. And I know at that point, I know I've seen her sit at that little desk just in at Crescent Hill in a classroom with students coming in, reciting Horatius at the bridge for her. It all just was so personal for her yeah. that to give students this gift of education. Yeah. And it never, because it was so personal to her, mm. it had to become personal to her teachers. Yeah. And we had to, because we sat at her feet too, and we had to treat our jobs with the same kind of commitment and passion toward classical education that she had. And you think it was personal to her in the sense that she just cared so much for the children yes. or, you know, kind of living the good life? Like what aspects of that do you think? I think caring for the children, definitely. Yeah. She loved the students, but also for her, I think it was, this is how we're going to save our society. Yeah is we've got to bring, we have a responsibility to bring children up so that they are capable of being good citizens right. and of being able to run things. Right. So the other side of it is that she did push and all these things were built. The other side of that is that this is a lady who's passionate about education and a school, and then all these other things start happening. And people who are who love her ideas are doing things under her guidance and, and name, how did you see her respond to those things and not, not allow anything to get away from her, but at the same time lead and adapt where it was appropriate? How did you see her manage those situations? Well, she just continued being who she was and mm. doing what she did. Mm. She would sit at her desk all day long and work and there would be chaos around her. You know what kind of chaos we had. Yeah. And everybody was in one room in the office working, phones ringing off the wall, conversations and I'm loud. I'm a loud manager. So I'm screaming across the room at other people. And she never swerved from whatever she was working on, if it was a Latin program or a phonics program. And then all of a sudden, at some point, something would catch her ear and she would look up and say, what? What are you talking about? Totally missed like the past two hours. Sure. So she was so dedicated to it. But that required people like Brian, her son, to come in and manage the business end of it right, because right. she just, she had no, she knew that it needed, that she needed a business end, but she really had no interest in it. Her goal was to, she was, she was on a path with blinders on oh. to, to give this education to students and to equip teachers to be able to teach it and parents to be able to do it, that it was doable for everybody. But all the business end of it, she just didn't have, she didn't care about, yeah. she Just, but she needed it to happen. Sure. And she did recognize that and she was thankful for it. When she got ready to give the curriculum to homeschoolers, you know, she came to me and said, will you come manage Memoria Press because we need to, package this curriculum so that other students can have it Sure, because it need, and I want it to be affordable. I want everybody to be able to do it. And so, you know, she would have given it away if she yeah. could have given it away and we could have all worked for free. Yeah, <laughs> If she could have had a bunch of people working for free, she would have given it away. She yeah. wanted it that badly. Can you think of any, you know, funny stories or good stories from that time period when after she kind of knew the business side needs to take 
take precedence, but she obviously has all these high ideas. Brian had to come in and start managing it as mm -hmm. a business. Yeah. For her, it was just she was getting done in the classroom what she wanted to get done. Mm -hmm. And that was it. Yeah. That was what she cared about. Yeah. It kind of it reminds me of conversations I have with people who are trying to start these schools. And I, I'm trying to, to constantly tell them, really, these ideas transcend kind of the practical needs and necessities. Those things are, you got to take care of them. And, you know, you're going to have to put some thought into them. But if you stick to these ideals, people will gravitate to you who have the ability to take care of those issues. And I feel like we've seen that that happen here. People have just gravitated right. who have skills in different areas and that's right. Lee things. calls it providence. She says yeah. everything that's happened has been providence. Yeah. And she was, Cheryl was in at the the core of that mm. with the vision. Yeah. And everybody else was scurrying around around her while she sat in a chair and read Cicero or yeah. worked on classical phonics right. or a spelling program. And even, I mean, at the, up until the time like the day that she died in the hospital, she was still working. She was still giving wow. people ideas of what she needed to happen. Wow. wow. She never quit. Yeah. So then that, that helps to transition to kind of something I wanted to ask you about going forward. You know, Mrs. Lowe passed away and we honor her memory with everything we do here at Memoria Press. And those of us who come who didn't have a relationship with her like you did are still trying to uphold her values. But we're also trying to take ownership of ideas that transcend any one person. And what has that been like for you trying to strike that balance? And um, have you seen these ideas succeeding with other people who didn't know her? And what has that been like? Well, I think when you gave me this outline about the kind of things that you wanted to talk about, You've got on here some beautiful things about her, and you didn't even know her. <laughs> but but you say her focus on education above everything else, her stick to her humility to let Brian and Martin run things, her strength in not letting things get away from her, all of that, it appears that you really knew her. And I think that is the key, mm. is that she really... Her mission, her vision, she was really able to articulate that and is still articulating it through how did you how did you know these things about her? Yeah, I mean, I knew them because I know you and I know Brian and I know Martin and I know HLS and Dr. Dickey and Mrs. Booker right. and all of them in some way embody a little bit of her. And I, that's how I've kind of pulled all these different things. And, and when I'm talking to them, they say, yeah, when I was talking to Mrs. Lowe, she, she said this, and that always kind of stuck with me. And that composite picture of her is Memorial Press and Highlands Latin School. Um, but then it also transcends that because each of these people are doing a job that everyone needs to do. And it's a universal, she embodied certain universal virtues. I think, you know, she walked like Christ walked on this earth. And I think that's, that's what I've seen. Um, right. But I think that speaks, I mean, when I looked at this, I thought, we're doing it. I mean, you know who she was. And so we're right now doing it. We're able to continue on her legacy. I'm really scared about, I mean, Martin and I are going to die one day. <laughs> and it's going to be up to people like you. Who, that is scary. It is scary because that's <laughs> another whole thing. So now we've got all these people who lived with her and walked this path with her. Mm -hmm. And the scary thing to me is 
what next? Mm -hmm. So what for the next generation? How talk about a huge burden on our shoulders Mm -hmm. is how do we, I am so grieved that we don't have more video of her talking Mm -hmm. that we don't have, but we didn't know. I mean, who knew that you don't think that your life's going to be cut short when you're 71 years old. Right. You just think you've still got plenty of time. And we didn't have a lot of video back then either. Yeah. That was good. So I'm I'm very regretful of that because I think that would have been a way that people could still see who she was. But the ideas, you know, are still are still here. And that's what we're still, you know, passionate about. And what what areas of carrying on her legacy are you excited about right now? What what things are you investing in that you still that are still life giving for you? Well, um, we're doing the best we can with the, like, second form Greek was on our mind, traditional spelling was on our mind. So we're trying to continue to do those things. But what's most exciting for me is this huge, these huge drawers I have. I cleaned out her desk. I cleaned out her papers. I put them all in boxes. There is so much there. And that project of art organizing all of that many much of it is on post-it notes or in spiral band notebooks handwritten so much that's handwritten Mm -hmm. different versions of things it's a huge job but that is the most exciting thing is when i look at those and i look at her library of books because she always marked her books all of that is is for me the future of her living on is, is if we could just get all of that organized and that's the huge goal. So for homeschool educators or teachers or whoever who is in a position, maybe more similar to where she was 30 years ago than we are now kind of being here trying to continue something, whereas they're trying to build something. Could you boil down maybe one or two characteristics from this conversation or from your observations about our life that they ought to embody so that they could be successful in classical education? Well, I mean, the first thing would be to really understand what a classical education is and why, why we're doing Mm -hmm. it. And hopefully, once you understand that, you will have some of her passion because that's what it takes is the passion. It's not an easy education, as we know. It is very rigorous. But I personally have seen that my children's lives have been transformed by it. And I do see that they, regardless of what they've chosen to do with their lives, that they are truly educated. And the people now, we're hiring HLS graduates now. And they, the fact that they're classically educated just gives them such, they can be of such help to us. And so I, I really believed in that church basement. I believed everything she said and I changed my life. At that point, I changed my life to follow her in her vision. And I think that's what, if you can do that, if you can find that meaning, I believed it all the way through, all the way through. But then I really knew it when my kids went to college because I saw, I, at that point, I started really seeing the benefit of it yeah. and seeing how much more educated they were than the 
the other students, how much they had read that other students hadn't read and how they were able to write a paper because they had had logic and rhetoric and just knew how to think and how they could argue, how they weren't really ever threatened by, you know, you go to college and you've got really some professors, you've got some crazy ideas, but, but they never really strayed from what they believed because they, they were educated and firm in that confident. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, this has been really fun remembering with you and I think hopefully inspiring for people. Thanks for doing this. You're welcome. It's always nice to spend time with you, Shane. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Classical Etc. If you like the show and would like to stay connected, consider subscribing on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever else you get your podcasts. We greatly appreciate any support for our show and ask that if you liked the episode, consider leaving us a positive review and sharing it with a friend. A huge thank you to the Memoria Press Podcast Network for hosting our show. Be sure to check out all the great podcasts there. As always, I'm Shane Saxon. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Memoria Press Podcast Network providing a classical Christian perspective on the world of education. To learn more about Memoria Press, visit memoriapress.com. To connect with us, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.